to honor his sacrifice. The question that I want us to explore this morning is how does myrrh represent Jesus' sacrifice? Until you recognize and embrace the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for you and me. And receive him as your personal Savior and Lord. You're not going to be able to experience him as your king and as your priest. So literally, therefore, the third gift of myrrh literally becomes the first step to experience and to see the other roles of king and priest in your life. Myrrh prophetically symbolized, recognized that Jesus Christ was born to die. So how does myrrh represent the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross for you and me? Well, we have to literally begin with the word myrrh. The word myrrh is found 17 times in the Bible. And its roots are found in the Hebrew word mar. Ah, mar, mara. Now, all of a sudden, to some of you who have Bible knowledge, that, that seems very uh, significant. Because where do we read of Mara? Well, if you know the story of Ruth and Naomi. Remember, at this time, Naomi, her husband, and her two sons have passed away. She comes back to Israel with her daughter-in-law, Ruth who said these famous words, your people shall be my people. And when she got back home, Naomi told her friends, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. We also see this word Mara in the story of remember when Moses led the children out of Israel, and they were in the desert of Shur for three days, and they traveled into the desert without finding, finding water, and the people were grumbling, we want to go back to Egypt, da, da, da. They finally came to Mara. They could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place was called Mara. I've often wondered, if you come to a body of water and it's called bitter, what makes you think it's not going to be bitter? So they complained. Now, first and foremost, I don't want you to think that the last days of Christ, that he was bitter. Because Hebrews 12.2 tells us, who set before him with joy the cross and endured. It was for joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. But what I found so interesting in this root word, Mara, is that it can be translated in different manners. Not only does it mean bitterness, but we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 
Remember Hannah wanted a baby? She wanted a child so bad. And it says in the NIV and even in the King James, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. But if you do a word study on this word mara, bitterness, it can also mean distress. She, as the New American Standard translates it, she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. So how does myrrh represent the sacrifice? We know there was a time in the life of Christ when he was greatly distressed. May I take you to the garden of Gethsemane, the night that he was going to be arrested and betrayed. He took his disciples, he asked them to watch and pray. And of course, I was going to say the knuckleheads, they fell asleep. And Jesus went a little bit further and started to reflect. He knew what was in store. He started to reflect upon the suffering and the death that he would die upon a cross. And he prayed to his father. Father, if this cup could pass before me. God, if, if I don't have to suffer in this way. If, if Lord, if we can do it in another way. And you read in scriptures that there were blood that formed on his brow. There's a medical word for it. I, I believe it's called hemosiderosis. Hemosiderosis is an event that occurs after experiencing a, a traumatic, a severe trauma where the capillaries begin to break and the blood mixes in with the sweat. And as he formed sweat drops of blood out of the trauma and out of the anguish, being greatly distressed, he, he knelt to the ground and said, Lord, if, if, if this cup, if this suffering, Lord, if, if there could be another way to go about it, so be it. But then he faithfully prayed this prayer. Nevertheless, not what I want. Nevertheless, not my will. You got it, Jim. But let your will be done. And from there, he got up. And one of the disciples, Judas, gives him a kiss and betrays him. He's arrested. He's falsely accused. He has an unfair trial. And he's, and he's sentenced to death. To die by crucifixion. They placed a crown of thorns thorns that are an inch and a half to two inches long upon his head. And then the beatings began and the blood started to flow once again. And then he was stripped naked, exposed publicly. Shame. 
given a hundred pound cross upon his shoulders to carry. And there he was nailed to the cross for you and I. What's so interesting about myrrh, how it means bitterness, pain, distress. There are many different uses for myrrh. In fact, you can go out and get myrrh tablets today for anti, as a means of anti-inflammatory. It was also seen as an antiseptic, and it was also used as a stimulus to reduce pain. Yes, it was brought to him at his birth. But how many know myrrh was brought to his death? They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. As a way to, to ease the pain. As a way to kind of like maybe not take fully comprehend all that's taking place. The, the myrrh was given so they could last longer on the cross. But scripture says he did not take it. Do you know why? Some say this is one of the last temptations of Christ. He didn't take it because he wanted to stay true to who he was. He was the son of God. He was totally dependent upon his father. He didn't take it because he wanted to be fully focused on the task at hand. And I believe he didn't take it because he wanted to bear the full weight. He wanted to feel the full weight of your sin and my and the sin of the world upon him. He was given a way out. But he didn't take it. Wow, I know what some of you are thinking. Man, this is really a great Christmas message. Just hold on there. We'll get there. But probably, perhaps, myrrh is most noted for preparing bodies for death. It was used as an embalming agency. If you go back to the ancient Egyptians and the history of the Jews, death, myrrh, the gift of myrrh, literally represents death, not just grief. They would take myrrh and wrap it in amongst the dead body and wrap it to preserve and to protect. You know what's real interesting? If you go to the book of Isaiah, 700 years before these events take place, Isaiah prophesies of them taking place. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but he secretly, because but secretly because he feared the Jews. That's kind of interesting, living a Christian life in fear, but he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus by night. And yes, this is the same Nicodemus whom Jesus told you, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes 
about 75 pounds. Now, I almost was going to bring up a bag of salt, 50-pound bag of salt. I mean, that's, that's a lot of spice there. Taking the body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. So there, at the end of Jesus' life, he was engulfed. He was encased with myrrh as strips of linen were wrapped around him. Brought to his birth, prophetically symbolizing the death that would take place. Well, there are other ingredients that myrrh is noted for. And I don't think it's coincidental that myrrh was presented at his birth and at his death. Because if you remember in August, I preached on the anointing and the anointing oil. And one of the main ingredients in the anointing oil is myrrh. Now, what did that anointing oil do? The anointing oil would be used by the priests to anoint the furniture in the holy place to make it holy. And he would all, they would also go into the Holy of Holies once a year, put the anointing oil on the Ark of the Covenant. It cleansed. It purified. It made things holy. At the birth of Christ, myrrh represent the holiness, the divinity of Jesus Christ. And at his death, they wrapped it in myrrh, representing he's holy. He, uh, Hebrews 12, 14, I believe it says, Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But myrrh represents something else. Myrrh represents something eternal. Because myrrh is known as a spice, as a, as a, a fragrance that will last for hundreds of years. Myrrh is a sap. It's a resin. It comes from the myrrh tree. Myrrh trees, is, if you just look at the myrrh tree, you'll see how myrrh represents pain. It's a really ugly tree. But like a pine tree, if you break a limb, sap starts. Don't, I used to, oh man, do I even say it? I always had an artificial tree until I got married. My wife always had real trees, so I was forced to get a real tree. There's nothing worse than a real tree trying to put on lights, and when you're all done, your hands are just full of sap. How many can say thank God for artificial trees? How many can thank God for pre-lit trees? And like sap, un unlike from the maple tree where it's sweet, the sap from a myrrh tree or the resin from the myrrh tree is very bitter, thus the name. And when it dries, it becomes like a crystal, a reddish yellow or a brownish yellow, a reddish brown. And it crystallizes and it becomes very fragrant. In fact, I read that, that myrrh in an alabaster jar can keep its fragrance for years. Now, if you walk into our bathrooms here at church, you'll smell pine. 
it's been known that we have the sweetest smelling bathrooms in our district. And if you go in there and smell pine, I went in the other day, and I, I can't, in fact, the, the fragrance actually came into the, the cafe, and I'm smelling this pine. I'm like, I know our trees aren't real. And I go, Rachel, the bathroom. So I walk in the bathrooms, I'm smelling pine. And I'm looking all around for like an air. There, there's these little sticks that she has strategically hidden in some of the decorations, which makes it smell like pine. Thank you, Rachel. But you know, come July, even if those sticks are in there, guess what? It's not going to be smelling anymore. But myrrh is known as a fragrance that lasts for years. Representing eternity. How many know that when Jesus died, he didn't just leave earth. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't just come for a few years and then leave. But Revelation tells us the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which says the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. sounding more like Christmas, isn't it? The gift of myrrh at his birth also symbolized his eternal reign forever and forever and forever. And when you receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and recognize the sacrifice that he made for you, you will live with him forever and forever as your king and also as your friend. That's the gift of Christmas. Pastor Bonnie, you can come, but there's one more story I want to share with you about myrrh. A story that I missed for many years until I started doing this word study on myrrh. How many know the story of Esther? How many know that myrrh is in the story of Esther? Anybody ever read myrrh in the, Esther, in the story of Esther? For those who don't know the story of, of Esther, let me, let me give it to you real quick. The Israelites have been overtaken by the Persians. And the Persian king, Artaxerxes, well, he had a little problem with his wife, Queen Avasti. And he removed her from the throne. Now King Artaxerxes is, is looking for a, a new wife. And there's a beauty pageant. 
that were only for the Persian women. But there was a Jewish woman by the name of Esther who hid her identity, as the scripture says, for such a time as this. And Queen Esther, out of all the women, was chosen to be the king's wife. Why? For such a time as this. Why is that so important? Because her uncle, Mordecai, learned of a hidden agenda where they wanted to kill all the Jews. Well, now here is the king's wife who is Jewish herself. And Mordecai exposed to Esther this plan to destroy the Jews. And she went before the king and he spared the Jews. Do you know the Jewish people still celebrate this today? It's called Purim. In fact, in 2021, it'll be uh, February 25th and 26th where the Jewish people will have this celebration of how their heritage was saved through Queen Esther at such a time as this. That's the story in a nutshell. It's a wonderful, feel-good story. But where does myrrh come into the story? It's kind of interesting in Esther 2.12. Before a girl's turn came to go into the king, Artaxerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatment. <laughs> Prescribed by women. Six months with the oil of myrrh and six months with perfume and cosmetics. That solves the question. It's not a sin for women to wear makeup. Well, that's according to the NIV. According to the English version, it says uh, ointments and incense. It leaves the cosmetics out. In the fact, the New King James, it translates beauty treatment, so I guess let the Botox come. <laughs> but there for six months, she had to go into a room where myrrh was burning and have her whole body rubbed with the oil of myrrh for six months. And then for another six months with perfumes and ointments. Twelve months in preparation to see the king. Now how does that speak to our life? Jesus was presented myrrh and his life would be lived for 33 years here to die and be wrapped in myrrh and resurrected so that what? We could see the king. When I think of myrrh representing death, part of coming to Christ is you got to die to yourself. Myrrh purifies, declares holy. Without holiness, no man should see the Lord. How does myrrh symbolize the sacrifice of Jesus? Myrrh symbolizes the sacrifice of Jesus in so many ways. Myrrh made Jesus the greatest 
Christmas gift one could receive where we could spend eternity with him forever and forever and forever. And as Queen Esther had to be prepared, I close and ask you, have you made preparations to see the king? Have you made your own personal preparations to see the king? Have you received them as Lord? Have you received them as Savior? Have you acknowledged the sacrifice he made for you? So that you could stand before a holy God just as if you have never sinned. Would you bow your heads with me? I pray that this December of 2020 maybe for some of you would be the year that you received the greatest gift one could receive, the gift of eternal life by making Jesus Christ your personal Savior and Lord and receiving that wonderful gift of Savior, Him being your priest and being your King. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior and if I were to die tonight or today, I don't even know where I would spend eternity. Well, my friend, you can know right now. Just by receiving Christ into your life, you become born again. And unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And by being born again, you will see the kingdom of God. So as we're praying here, if there is one who would say, Pastor, I want to receive this gift of eternal life. I want to receive Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. Would, would you just raise your hand and I'll ask you to put it down. Just, just waiting a moment, looking around. Is there anyone who would say yes to this greatest gift that one could receive? Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you. Somebody else this morning, in no way will we call you up or embarrass you. We just want you to pray for. And, and many times we, we raise our hand just to reconfirm what has already taken place. But for that one who raised that hand, would you just pray with me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and shedding your blood that forgives me of my sin. I now receive you as my personal Savior and my Lord, my King, and my Priest. Grant to me the gift of eternal life where I don't have to be afraid of leaving this world, where I know I will spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could one of the ushers bring me a communion cup? I forgot to uh, take the elements. Uh, thank you, Bill. In preparing for communion, we're going to ask you to prepare your elements. I, I've messed with these things so many times. I found the best thing is just take the little plastic tab off. 
and then take the cellophane and rip the cellophane back, the clear cellophane, in order to get the bread. And then you'll be able to lift the foil to get to the, the juice. The reason we didn't start with gold is because we knew this was Communion Sunday. And what a great message to receive the elements of communion as we reflect upon the gift of myrrh that prophetically spoke to his sacrifice that brought us these elements. We know that on the evening that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it. And he says, this bread represents my body, my life. Take, eat in remembrance of me. took the cup and when he had given thanks he says this cup represents a new covenant we recognize the cup as representative of his blood without the shedding of blood the Bible says there is no forgiveness of sins the cup of the new covenant given for you drink ye all of it in remembrance of me Oh, we worship you. 